standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus, coming to you on the 4th of April, 2023, episode 390. This is going to be a two-part episode, yes. Uh, Part one will be today, part two will come out Wednesday. They're going to be respectively titled, Sell Your Soul in Judas's Betrayal. What I'm going to attempt to do is talk about things that happen all the time, locally and politically speaking, and directly correlate that to uh, the biblical account in modern uh, vernacular of uh, Judas turning his back. So we'll see how I do. (laughs) Uh, I expect these uh, episodes will be slightly shorter because it could really be just one long episode, but I'm, I'm going to not do that. All right, so before I get started, let me remind you, you can like, share, and subscribe to this show. You can comment. You can rate it. Go over to Podbean, where for whatever reason, I just cannot seem to find the right new home. Uh, Spotify took over the place I was planning on going, so I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Um, I know there's all these other sources, but I'm, I'm trying not to pigeonhole. I'm trying not to get put into... Um, an echo chamber, right? I spend a lot of time in the echo chamber. I'm sure you all do. And I try and give a fresh look at some things, albeit from my point of view, but not the same old, same old. I like to mix things up and try and focus on the history that I have, that, that what I can bring to it. So <clears throat> here we go on with the show. So we always talk about principles, right? I have my principles and I won't break my principles. And some people have, you know, one principle and base everything off of it. Others have two or three primary principles and several underlying principles. I hesitate to describe what my principles are only because if you're honest, your principles do change a little bit over time. And, uh, it's not always perfectly black and white. And you have to decide, does this principle outweigh that principle? So what am I talking about? Okay. So I have a Christian worldview. I come from a distinctly Christian background and I avoid ever supporting something or not opposing something that violates that Christian worldview. However, I'm also a liberty conservative, right? Or a liberty oriented guy. And I believe with all my heart that if God doesn't force you to do something, government ought not force you to do something. But here's the rub. It does instruct you to abstain from certain things. The Bible is quite clear that things are maybe permissible, but they're not profitable. So where's the line, right? Do I value liberty of people possibly hurting themselves, possibly ruining their own lives, possibly damaging their families? Do I value that more than the biblical principle? 
which is, no, that's not profitable. You ought not do that. So there's, there's a fine line or a balancing act there if you prefer. And then the other thing is, there's the Constitution, right? The Constitution is built upon the principle that we, the people, determined how we wanted our government to be run. We determined that the power comes from we, the people, based upon our existence by our creator God, right? And now I understand not everybody comes from the same Christian background faith that I do, and that's okay. The unique thing is, is I can be a Christian and say, you don't have to be a Christian, but I still value you as an individual. And I recognize you have similar, or if you prefer the same rights that I do by the basis of your existence, because you were created in the image of God. That generally stops before you, you know, at the end of your fist, before it touches somebody else's nose, right? Your self-ownership, the idea that you control what you do with your own body. There's a line also there and that you're not supposed to harm others, right? The uh, libertarians would call this the uh, zero aggression principle or the non-aggression principle. Uh, Some would call it the golden rule, right? So there's a little tension there. There's give and take. And which one is the top billing, if you will? And specific instances, one might take precedence over the other. So you might have a slightly different view depending on that, right? So I try to remain balanced. I'm not going to do something that I know violates my Christian faith. But at what point do I prevent somebody else from doing that? Because they may not have my faith. Do I really want to force that upon them? And at what point do I feel that it's necessary to force something on somebody? Obviously, I don't want somebody overdosing on whatever. But if the drug's already illegal or not available because you don't have a prescription, I've done my due diligence, haven't I? Or do I need outlaw needles now, right? The only needles that are acceptable for use are those in the hands of a doctor. Perhaps we should put uh, a limit to how many needles you can have. Perhaps we should have a limit on what you can put in those syringes, right? You see, this can get ludicrous over time. So that's the challenge. What do you do? So you have your principles. You have them internalized. You may choose to admit that Generally, you share those principles with other people, either in your faith walk or your religious affiliation or your, you know, subservience to King Jesus, however you want to phrase it. And you may also share those principles with other constitutionalists or other libertarians or other conservatives or other leftists or liberals or progressives or whatever. Uh, But ultimately, you have to decide What are some things that are involatile? I'm not going to break these. Never, ever am I going to do this or condone this, right? So you have to draw the line. Where do you fight? What is worth fighting over? What is the hill you're going to die on? Now, I got to admit, that can be both figurative and literal, right? There's been things that have gone on in the last... I don't know, a couple of years in the political party I belong to that potentially 
I could have chose to die on that hill metaphorically to fight it, to make the difference, you know, to try and get the right thing to happen or the right thing as I understood it or the correct principle application or however you want to phrase it. I could have legitimately made a good argument why that should be. But at what cost? One, if I paint myself into a corner and nobody wants to deal with me anymore, what good was that? If I fight the fight the fight and break relationships, right? Violate confidences. Uh, I'm not very trustworthy now, right? In fact, I've actually probably violated some other principles that I hold. So you have to decide... What are you going to throw down over? What What is the most important thing? That's not always easy. It's not always clear. What are you going to fight over? And then there comes the big kahuna, right? What are you willing to fight for literally? Now, for me, you know, I swore an oath. I've sworn two oaths in my life. One, to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And the other is to love, care, and support for my wife and forsake all others in sickness and health, right? You, you've all said similar things, those of you that are married. I take both very seriously. But the principle is my wife before my country, my family before my politics, my, my state or my county before my country. Or if you prefer, my state is my country, right? And the Constitution is kind of a binding instrument. It's, it's the rules that everybody's supposed to agree to follow, right? That was the whole compact that was put into place. And it's kind of perpetual in the sense that until we come up with something better or something new that we can agree upon, that's still binding. Unfortunately, uh, there's these guys in black robes and they just think they can do whatever the heck they want and reinterpret it to mean different things. And then there's some amendments to said constitution that were coerced into existence and we're supposed to be bound by that when a law made under coercion can't be held up as constitutional, but yet it is. And they've used those very amendments that were coerced into existence to force upon us an entirely new existence. So the question is, are they violating the Constitution and therefore are an enemy of the Constitution? Or am I in just in disagreement of what they're doing? I think there's a discussion that can be had there, but it has to be an open and honest discussion. And quite frankly, there's not a whole lot of people that are willing to do that. Right, I come in. I come from a party that lionizes Abe Lincoln, that thinks Teddy Roosevelt was great, that that surprisingly still loves Nixon, and you know, as a consequence, we have our former president being arrested for bogus charges, but nonetheless arrested, and we're celebrating this guy that is being railroaded. I know clearly what's at play here. We're being pushed into where we're going to essentially be forced to choose between a guy that is likely to be, likely to be, at the very least, pled out 
for some kind of criminal behavior and a real criminal who's still in the White House. We're going to be able to choose between the lesser of the two evils and it, it's just moving that bar further and further, right? So, you know, President Reagan was the first divorced elected president. And of course, then we got Donald Trump, who's been divorced at least twice that I can think of. Um, we, we've got these things that we do and then we don't think about the consequences. Likewise, we had our first non-natural born citizen as a president and apparently nobody cared enough to do anything about it. And quite frankly, it's very likely we're going to have several more. And that is kind of what was the undoing of at least one, if not multiple empires in the past. When foreign born rulers take over, they don't have the same attachment to the country that they're residing in. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's the worst of all possible outcomes, right? There's people prognosticating that we're going to have a civil war. We're going to break up and all that's plausible. I mean, I support the idea of having a discussion on Texas. Maybe the text, it's the best way to go. Maybe a national divorce is the real future. But if you're not willing to talk about it, if you're not willing to consider the consequences, if you're not willing to stand on principle and say, this is where we need to hold the line, then you're just going to keep compromising. And unfortunately, and I've said this time and time again, all the conservatives seem to do is compromise away their principles. They compromise all the good arguments they had. And then 20 years later, they're defending the very thing that they fought against. And we're supposed to be happy and applaud them and be happy with them. The argument's always been, well, we have to compromise in order to win. But compromise what? To what extent? What are you giving up? Yeah, you got your win, but for with with what? I mean, just because we elect a bunch of people that have ours after their names, but they have a different mindset, a different set of principles, or they don't share our values, or they value other things more than we do, are we really getting the outcome that we want? Someone say you get the government that you deserve. Okay, so there's an argument there. But let me ask you. Every two years, there's a state convention. And every two years for the last, I guess, five times, Houston twice, San Antonio four. Yeah. So I've been the last five state conventions. And each time there's been shenanigans pulled by one group or another. This last time under Matt Rinaldi was probably the cleanest convention I've been participated in. I've been participating in, whatever. And kudos to Matt Rinaldi and the rest of the team, right? We want a clean convention. We want a fair convention. We want people to be able to discuss and argue these things. But I got to be honest with you. They talk about the idea that mm, four or five hours of debate on certain things is adequate. Well, I don't agree with that. I, I, I think, honestly... The shortened venue time that we have allotted ourselves, the compressed debate time that we have put upon ourselves actually harms the party long term. I don't understand why we have 300 platform planks, but we do. And they're all important. They are. But we managed to narrow that down to legislative priorities for, I don't know, the last three three uh, com- um, conventions. Unfortunately, well, I guess it's been more conventions. Just go with me here. 
the last three conventions, we've narrowed it down to eight or nine, and what do you know? They're batting 500. So the state legislature, which is run by people from our party that swear an allegiance to the party principles, the platform, if you will, and we give them marching orders, we want these eight things done or nine things done, and we get half, and we're supposed to consider that a big win. Again, what are we compromising away? We, we, we put Democrats in chairmanships so that they can kill the bills that the Republicans are afraid of. And then we have the Republicans sell us out when we're not paying attention. But what are we supposed to do? Well, I'll tell you what. I've said this time and time again. We cannot fix D.C. I think we can fix Austin. But the only way we can fix Austin is if we get our local municipalities on board. Get them on our team. Convince the people around us that we have a better idea. We know what we're doing. Focus on the goals. Is somebody on our team at a 75% better than a Democrat? Well, yes, of course. But if that 25% we disagree with keeps handing more and more power and more and more authority to our opponents, perhaps trading them out for a term for a bad Democrat isn't the worst thing possible. It's counterintuitive. It's nonproductive. But if they keep selling us out slowly over time, it doesn't matter. The outcome is going to be the same. We have HD 70 handed over to the Democrats by the very Republicans that should have been protecting Collin County. We have the very same elected representatives that go down to Austin that, quite frankly, don't do the things we ask them to do. Oh, sure, they'll vote on it if and when it gets put before them. But they don't advocate for it. They don't argue for it. They don't go on press conferences and say we need to do X, Y, or Z. Oh, no, the other side does it all day long. The other side is always beating the press and their drums of we're going to do this and we want to do that. But our side doesn't do it because they don't focus on the goals because they really don't care. As long as they stay in power, they pad their pocketbooks, and quite frankly, they win their next election as at least a one elected official has been reputed to say, well, that's fine. You can run against me, but I've got all the money. How's that for an answer? Well, that's fine. You can do what you want, but you're not going to beat me because I have all the money. Now, I imagine a great number of candidates feel the same way. I would imagine some of them are arrogant enough to, I don't know, put forth bills that are in direct conflict with both the platform and their Senate district that they reside in advocating for things that are not of interest and quite frankly have negative results for the very state that they claim to love. And then they act shocked and ashamed that anybody would question them or I'm sorry. And they shame anybody that would question them. I'm curious At what point did they get to be the ones that determine what the policies and procedures are? Oh, that's right. We keep voting them in. That's why. You see, we've sold our soul. We we took the easy way out, right? We compromised just so much to where we're stuck with what we've got. Now, the reality is none of these people are terrible. They don't hate us and they're, they're not hateful, spiteful people right? That's, that's what I believe. That's what I choose to believe, but they don't care what we think. They're not interested in what we think. And you know why that is? 
because they have no fear of we the people. Now, I'm not talking about the fear that comes about when somebody shows up at your house with a rifle or a band of uh, thugs with signs and masks on. No, not that kind of fear, but fear that they might be replaced. Fear that they might be sent to an early retirement. Fear that, quite frankly, they're not going to be revered anymore. They don't fear that at all. Now, we can work, and we can support them, and we can take the 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 several wins that we get and the many losses that we take, and we can continue to fritter away and watch the great Republic of Texas be flushed down the toilet of obscurity and irrelevance as it becomes the blue mecca. Or we can do something about that. We can choose to quit compromising where we don't need to compromise. We can choose to fight over things that really do matter. We can choose to focus on the end goal, which is to get a solid bench, to get good people that want to work for we the people, to get people that we are proud to say represent us, to get people involved at all levels and in every direction. How do we do that? Well, first things first, you got to go out and meet your neighbors. You got to go out and, I don't know, find people willing to put up the fight, run for office, raise money. Find people that aren't afraid to speak truth to power. When you get them, when you find them, you need to cultivate those relationships. You need to build the network out. You need to get those people plugged in. You need to not be afraid of upsetting somebody. You know, there's a whole lot of people in my city that are afraid of one guy. And the worst he can do is yell at you in a public meeting or badmouth you on social media. Now, yes, he has money and he has friends. And quite frankly, we're not going to get rid of him this week. But the thing is, the more you run in fear from him, the more you curtail your actions because you don't want to have to deal with the fallout, the more you empower this individual, the more strength he perceives he has, then he really doesn't. The time is ticking off his clock of existence. And like that, I butchered the word off. The sands of the hourglass are passing through. His days are numbered. Now, I've heard, you know, oh, he might try and run for Congress. Oh, he might try to run for uh, commissioner's court. He might try and run for state rep. You know what? Who cares? He's a fraud and we know it. He might have money, but we know who he is. He's a bully that when he loses his backing is nothing. There's no reason to fear him. And the people that continue to run and hide because, oh, he called me a bad name or he was mean to me, they're doing nobody any favors. I can guarantee you that several friends of mine have bore the worst and they're still fighting that fight. I've had their back the whole time. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not sure how I managed to miss out on all that ire, but hey, that's fine. I'll take it. I'm sure my day is coming, but I'm not afraid. You know why? I've got nothing to be ashamed of. I've done nothing wrong. 
I've served my country. I'm here fighting for Texas. I'm doing the right thing. And most of all, I'm not doing stupid stuff. Why give your enemy ammunition? Now, different people will define stupid stuff to mean different things. And I'm not pointing a finger at any one person or making a claim that anyone else did stupid stuff. I'm merely stating that don't give your enemies free ammunition. Unless, of course, you're Joe Biden and you're going to abandon Afghanistan with $100 billion worth of materials out there, which I'm sure he's going to get 10% back, you know, for the big guy. (laughs) You know, I had to throw it in there. Come on. You knew it was coming. Hey, listen. I'm telling you, we need to not sell our souls. We need to tell those people that have sold their souls that ain't over yet. They can rededicate themselves to a life worth living, to a country worth saving, to a family that's worth preserving. And with that, I'll ask you to join me at part two, episode 391 coming out on Wednesday. Thank you so much. And I'll see you on the other side.